Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.59 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 10th of May, 2021. This is episode 415 of Bitcoin. And I woke up yesterday morning to terrible news. So let's start it off with, uh, because it is Monday, might as well talk about terrible news. But this is going to be a cautionary tale. Um, You don't want to do the following. You don't want to drink yourself to death. Uh, Got news in a... I don't know. It was like, I guess it was a Facebook messenger on my phone. And uh, let me just go ahead and see if I can't capture that back for you. Hold on for a sec. And do, 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 do. Um, I got a, about four, was it four in the morning? Something like that. Yeah, 4.05 Sunday morning. I got this from a friend of mine. So I saw you were up. Neil has pretty much drank himself to death. Just thought you should know if you wanted to reach out to him. Uh, This is a guy I've been friends with for 25 years, probably a little bit longer than that. A real good guy. And I think, I think people are starting to just give up. I, I think the general malaise around the country, around the world, given what's gone on this last couple of years, I think people are like, I, I think people who are, aren't even in the rabbit hole, don't even know that this rabbit hole exists, <clears throat> are starting to understand just how poorly everything is fucked up. And they may not really attribute it directly to how the money has screwed everything up because that's what it all boils down to. Pandemic, whether you believe it, whether you think it's a scamdemic or not, it has been used like everything else has been used by the world governments to, I don't know, to obfuscate what it is that they've been doing. And essentially what's occurred is that everything has become financialized to the point that that life has become unfun. And for my friend who has blown a hole in his gastrointestinal tract and had to have seven, seven units of blood transfused into his ass, can barely walk, and is not even in his 50s yet, that's the reaction. We don't know, I mean, we know what's going on, but the majority of the world's population is not thinking the way that we think. They did not spend the 10,000 hours studying, it's not just Bitcoin, because when you're studying Bitcoin, you end up studying a whole bunch of other shit. You start learning how the bond market functions and what it does. You learn what it means to print ungodly and uncouth amounts of cash in response to externalities. Everybody's seeing the pinch and everybody's sad. And I don't want to be a bummer on this Monday, but be aware. You could start seeing people that you know start having some serious problems. And for all the books of Bitcoin that are out there because Bitcoin is hope. And that, that's what I want to leave this, this, this opening, you know, this opening rant, I guess. I want to leave this, <clears throat> you know, and, and try to get off of the fact that I'm, I'm very, I am mentally prepared to lose yet another one of my friends. Um, but I want to, I, I want to make sure that I leave it on the fact that Bitcoin is hope and it's hope because of all the other things you learn not just about Bitcoin, but when you study it, you end up understanding there's a way out. There really is. There's a way out of all this bullshit. And that's what we're trying to affect. All of us, me, you, everybody that's in, you know, everybody that's in the non-shitcoin space, that is, because that's going to be some other stuff that we get into today is how the shitcoiners are going to get people absolutely aped in 
and stopped out and it's going to be perilous for a lot of people and you'll see you'll see even you know i've already seen i hey i put my life savings into doge at 70 cents i'm wrecked my wife is it's the same shit as post you know 2017 if you weren't around at that time it was a very very sad very very dark time uh, not just because of Bitcoin price falling from 20,000 to wherever it finally ended up, but all the horror stories of people that aped into like every shit coin imaginable and got like wrecked 4X over what anybody who bought into Bitcoin at 20, at, at the top of 20K bought in for, right? And, and, and by the way, if you held on, you're not wrecked. You just got to have a very long time horizon, people. But <clears throat> to date, I have I have lost two very dear friends from gunshot wounds that were self-inflicted. So they shot themselves in the head. I can, and this was, this was, this wasn't before I entered into Bitcoin, but it certainly was before the money printer started going burr. And even back then, you know, shit was looking pretty grim and we just didn't know why. Right. And then when you start getting into, into Bitcoin and you start understanding why it becomes very self-evident as to what's going on. So I lost those two cats. Um, I lost one of my other dear friends. He was actually my best best man at my wedding. He was a doctor. I mean, he was a well, he was a psycho he was a psychiatrist. So he was an MD. He wasn't like a, a PhD. He was an MD, able to prescribe drugs in the Austin area, and I mean, basically serving you know serving the really rich people out there at whatever Clear Lake or White Lake or whatever the the rich part of Austin is. He's making money hand over fist. I mean, he couldn't, he just couldn't stop making money. He hung himself. He had two little girls. And, and that was direct. Like I talked to his ex-wife and she said it was because of COVID that he was absolutely freaking terrified. And so we have had a young man just, you know, end his life right there. One of my childhood friends, it was, this was about the time that I learned uh, of one of my, one of my very good friends uh, shooting himself. I learned that one of my childhood friends that I had lost contact with had huffed himself to death, huffing gas. And he was trying to kill himself. And he was an airline pilot and had a very good career. I'm telling you, man, this shit is dangerous. The, the times that we live in are very, are, are lethal times. Everywhere I look, it's always something really, really bad. We have an escape hatch, people. So here's what I want to leave on. Of all the books that I could give to somebody about Bitcoin, is there a book that talks about just the raw hope that this technology brings, that Bitcoin itself actually brings? I'm not talking about the monetary aspects. No, I'm not talking about the difficulty adjustment. I'm not talking about the underlying technology of, hope, of, of, of why it can bring us hope. I need a book written that is very short that talks basically nutshells the problem and how Bitcoin is the solution and leaves the reader with an unending well of hope to draw from. We're gonna need that book. If that book is not written, could somebody, anybody, please put pen to paper? I, I don't think I can do it. I don't think, I honestly don't believe I have the true understanding yet. I'm not sure if I ever will, but there are some, high quality, very talented writers out there. I need a 45 page book, maybe 50 to 70 pages. It's gotta be short. It's gotta be something that somebody who is desperate for an answer can read and come away reading the last page saying, shit, I don't have to do this to myself. I don't have to drink a hole in my stomach. I don't have to hang myself from a rafter of a mansion. I don't have to put a gun to my head. There's hope. And I'm really serious about this, guys. I, I, I know I'm going on a little bit longer than you need, and I know it's sad, but this is the reality of where the times that we live in right now. It seems hopeless. People you know are going to lose what shred of hope they have, and it's going to make you sad when they do. So you got to be able to gird yourself against that, but we need a tool in the toolbox here that we can throw to our friends that is not a fucking tome. I don't need to throw them Saifedean's book, okay? That's not what gives somebody who's desperate for hope 
enough hope to go and read further. I need a small book. I need it to be read fast. And I need that last page to put a smile on their face about how there is hope. There is an escape hatch. We've got to give it to them. Now, getting into the news. I'm going to start with a little bit of Taproot stuff. Uh, this one is at a coin desk. It is by Noel Axon or Acheson, I think, maybe. Anyways, for, out of coin, coin desk, and the, uh, the headline is Crypto Long and Short Why Bitcoin's Taproot Upgrade Matters. You might have noticed some green squares floater, floating around Twitter. Yeah, no shit, dude. Like the laser eyes, they are part of insider signaling. That creates a sense of cause and belonging. Unlike the laser eyes, they are not directly related to the price. They signal support for the proposed taproot upgrade for the Bitcoin network. Why is this important? It's just the benefits, or it's not just the benefits that the upgrade brings, which are significant. Taproot is important because it reminds us of what Bitcoin is. So before we dive into this matter, uh, let's look at some of the main benefits of the proposed upgrade. One, increased privacy. This does not refer to Bitcoin addresses or enhanced anonymity. <clears throat> it refers to types of transactions. Taproot will make complex transactions such as those requiring multiple signatures or those with delayed release indistinguishable from simple transactions in terms of on-chain footprint. Two, lower fees. The data size of complex Bitcoin transactions will be reduced which will lead to lower transaction costs for those types of transactions. Three is more flexibility. A new type of signature will enhance smart contract functionality in Bitcoin, making it easier and cheaper for users to set more complicated conditions for a transaction. And four, lightning boost. Taproot will make transactions on the lightning network cheaper more flexible and more private. The lightning network is a layer two solution that enables faster and more scalable payments that periodically anchor in aggregate form to the Bitcoin blockchain, offering eventual Bitcoin security while amplifying speed and potential throughput. While with all of the above, Taproot is the most significant upgrade to the Bitcoin network since the block size increase of 2017. Oh God, Segwit, dude, it was Segwit. The relative infrequency of Bitcoin upgrades highlights one of its main features. It is robust. Making any amendment to Bitcoin is hard. There is no one in charge who can decide what changes get pushed through and achieving consensus among such a diverse and dispersed group of participants is indeed a challenge, to say the very least. That taproot is more or less unanimously supported highlights what a big deal this upgrade is. What has turned out to be contentious, however, is the method of the upgrade. Yay, in March, a compromise was reached in the form of speedy trial, which gives the miners a series of two-week blocks in which to signal for taproot. This kicked off last Saturday with the most recent difficulty adjustment. From that moment, Bitcoin miners had until the next difficulty adjustment, two weeks later, to signal support for the taproot upgrade in their mined blocks. If 90% of processed blocks signaled support, the upgrade would get locked in for activation in November. On Tuesday, however, it became apparent that this signaling round wasn't going to be successful. With almost 25% of the Windows blocks processed by about midday, 20% had not signaled for support, so the 90% threshold was out of reach. This is not that big of a deal, though. Rather than the rejection of the idea, it is more likely that miners hadn't yet gotten their hands or their heads, I think it's gotten their hands on their software tweaks around the necessary steps. The next two-week window of signaling opportunity is coming up. And if that is also unsuccessful, the network tries again and so on until August the 11th. If by that date, 90% signaling has not been achieved, Taproot goes back to the drawing board. Let's not let that happen, people. So the Taproot upgrade will boost Bitcoin's functionality and potentially broaden its market. That's good for its prospect and its valuation, but here's the most important impact for the investing market overall. It reminds us that Bitcoin is indeed a technology. Many investors see Bitcoin as a store of value. Others are drawn in by the volatility. Most tend to overlook one of its most defining features. It's a relatively new technology with all the upside that that implies. When you buy gold, you don't wonder how it will evolve while in the vault. Bitcoin, on the other hand, does evolve. 
it did so in 2017 and it will, will most likely do so again this year. <clears throat> Technology implies risk though, things can go wrong. Code has bugs and or unintended consequences and that's why it's key that Bitcoin's upgrades are few and very far between because they need to be carefully vetted and tested. Also, since there is no central body to decide on Bitcoin upgrades, they need to be agreed on by all the key stakeholders and consensus is always extremely difficult to achieve. This is a good thing. There's over $1 trillion of market value riding on the Bitcoin network now, not to mention the valuation of all the businesses built to support that network. So the risk needs to be minimized to an almost negligible level. Taproot drives home that Bitcoin may be an excellent store of value and it may provide good returns for speculators, but the cryptocurrency also represents the opportunity to get in early on a transformative technology investment. It's like being able to take an early stake in a hot startup, but with much more liquidity and a lot less paperwork. So Taproot will not only improve Bitcoin's usability, which could have the effect of broadening its market and therefore potentially its value as well. It also reminds us of one of Bitcoin's core characteristics, which seems to have gotten drowned out in the prevailing market-driven narratives as of late. Bitcoin is still a new technology and its potential upside comes from more than its supply schedule, its inflation resistance, and its decentralization. Now, for whatever reason, this woman goes on into talking about other things in this, in this article, which I'm not gonna read. I just wanted to make sure that we got some of this taproot stuff out of the way. But uh, I wanna hearken back to, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Joe Weisenthal opened up his Twitter account and tweeted out some of his dumbness. It was either yesterday or Friday or Saturday or something like that. Probably after the SNL skit with Elon Musk, but <clears throat> he was calling Bitcoin boomer coin. Now, here's what I don't understand about somebody like Joe, uh, other than the fact that he's probably just a, a, a full-blown shitcoiner. In either event, uh, calling Bitcoin boomer coin after it's a technology that's only, you know, 12 years old, especially in comparison to something like Ethereum, which is also multiple years old. Ethereum was born in 2015, so that's six years old. What's the cutoff point from, you know, at what point does Ethereum become boomer technology and you should get out? I mean, that's what Joe's talking about. He's talking about he's punching out of Bitcoin and into newer technology. This is money. I don't think Joe, and I, I hate to say it, but it looks like Joe Weisenthal doesn't understand this, the, the first thing about money. That is not what you want to do. Punching out of Bitcoin to go into Ethereum only means one thing. You'll have to figure out when to punch out of Ethereum to go into the next thing and the next and the next and the next and the next. And this is not a mobile phone. This is not 3G to 4G technology. This is not, this is not any of those things. This is not VCR versus Betamax. I don't, I, I don't, get, I don't get it. The only thing that I can think of is that these people are just straight up shitcoining and want you to get wrecked. But calling Bitcoin boomer coin when it's only 12 years old is one of the most ridiculous things that I have ever heard out of Joe Weisenthal's mouth. He said some pretty stupid shit. But this one, dude, this one takes the cake. Now, on to the SEC chairman. <clears throat> Bitcoin is the store of value, but needs greater investor protection. Uh, Namcios. Uh, is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. And yes, I'm pretty sure I butchered that, but whatever. Gary Gensler, the new head of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, told CNBC that he recognizes Bitcoin as a scarce store of value distinct from other crypto tokens, which are indeed securities. All right, that's important enough to read again. Gary Gensler told CNBC that he recognizes Bitcoin as a scarce store of value distinct from other crypto tokens, which are indeed securities. Okay, so Gary, the important thing to take away is that Gary Gensler is basically the second guy at the top of the food chain when it comes to money to, to basically ensure or assure people that Bitcoin is not a security. And indeed, it is not a security. It can't be. There is no Bitcoin CEO. There is no marketing department. There is no building at which you can go knock on the door and, and haul off the people that work for Bitcoin. They, you can't do it. 
There is nothing about this that is a security, while all the rest of the shitcoins, however, are indeed securities. There are probably a couple of notable exceptions, but I'm not going to get into why that is. <clears throat> Let's just move on. Quote, it's a digital, scarce store of value, but highly volatile, Gensler told CNBC, and there's investors that want to trade that, and trade that for its volatility in some cases just because it is lower correlation than with other markets. I think that we need greater investor protection there. End quote. According to Gensler, such investor, investor protection would be similar to what is currently in place in stock and futures exchanges. In addition, he believes that there needs to be an authority that brings, quote, anti-fraud and anti-manipulation authority to the crypto exchanges. Yeah, that'll probably happen. <clears throat> Except for HODL, HODL, and BISC and stuff like that. Gensler, who was taught blockchain and cryptocurrency classes at MIT, later added that he believes the SEC should be technology neutral when it comes to market innovations. Quote, we need to update and freshen our rules to ensure that while retail investors and any individual has First Amendment rights to speak and so forth, that they're not misleading the public, they're not manipulating the public, manipulating the markets, end quote. The extent of the regulation that Gensler is calling for is unclear. However, the typically skeptical Bitcoin community could see this as a sign that increased governmental inter intervention in Bitcoin is forthcoming, <coughs> which could hurt Bitcoin adoption and ultimately be detrimental to the United States economy and its technological innovation ethos. Okay, so honestly, this is the way that I'm taking what, what Gensler is saying. I'm taking it as bullish. Not because I need, I want or need regulation, but <clears throat> because of his comments about how it's not a security one. The second thing is the fact that the, the regulations that he's talking about are going to go to people like Kraken, right? If you're trading <clears throat> on Kraken, well, then you, we've been telling you for a couple of years, get ready for regulation. Because that, I mean, it all boils down to, do you have a mailing address, a phone number, and have a Bitcoin business where somehow or another value is trading hands in and out of your place of business. If that is true, you will be regulated. I, I, I don't like it, but, <clears throat> but this is more for people like Barry Silbert, the Winklevi guys, the guys over at Kraken, those kinds of things. Any, any ETFs, Vanek, Bridgewater, Stone Ridge, all those guys. That's the regulation that, the, that this guy's talking about. The fact of the matter is, is that Bitcoin is one of the only things that you can just buy. And if, if for whatever reason, like every on or off ramp or on ramp gets closed down, we will have things like BISC and HODL HODL. Will it work as well? No, of course not. It will make it, it will make it more difficult, but I'm not looking at that shit right now. These guys have bigger fish to fry and, and they're more interested in going after people like Vanek and Bridgewater and insurance companies and state pension funds and all that shit to make sure that those investors are the investors that don't get hosed. The investors that somehow or another are exposed to the Bitcoin price action, but didn't know just how much exposure they actually had because it's like, I don't know, like let's say the Oklahoma pension fund decided to ape into some bullshit shitcoin. That's what they're talking about. They're not, I don't think they're looking at you just yet. It doesn't mean that it won't happen. I'm just saying, <clears throat> I'm not worried about it right, uh, right now. Now, Bitcoin holders, you should be prepared to lose all of your money, says the Bank of England governor. Yeah, he opened his mouth on the 8th and said this one. Thomas M. tells us about it from BTC Times. <clears throat> Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey reiterated his views that cryptocurrencies have no intrinsic value and that their holders should be prepared to lose all their money. At a press conference on Thursday, Bailey was quoted saying that they have no intrinsic value. That doesn't mean to say people won't put value on them because they can have extrinsic value, but they have no intrinsic value, which shows exactly how much this dude knows about what's going on. Bailey is no stranger to Bitcoin criticism. He has been repeating nearly the same statement since December of 2017 before he became governor of the UK Central Bank. At the time, he said, if you want to invest in Bitcoin, be prepared to lose all your money. That would be my serious warning. In March of 2020, Bailey re-emphasized his position that Bitcoin hasn't caught on very much alongside familiar comments on its lack of intrinsic value and the possibility for investors to lose all their money. 
Bailey's latest comments on the matter came in response to the question whether the Bank of England was worried about recent volatility in the digital currency space. <clears throat> well, the central bank governor further reportedly said about cryptocurrencies, quote, I'm going to say this very bluntly again. Buy them only if you're prepared to lose all your money. I'm afraid currency and crypto are two words that don't go together for me. And that's why you're going to be out of a goddamn job very, very soon. The Bank of England itself <clears throat> announced the launch of a task force <clears throat> to research the opportunities and risks associated with the central bank digital currency last month. It has not yet decided if there will be a digital pound or what that would look like. At press time, Bitcoin is trading at $58,300, up 555% from when Bailey made his comments in March of last year. So just because somebody has been given the banner of authority doesn't mean that they know very much. And I've come to understand this more and more and more as I get older and older. And it just accelerated with all the bullshit going on. I don't trust, uh, I don't trust any of these people. From Fauci to President Biden to Kamala Harris to this idiot at the Bank of England to any, like any of the heads of, of HSBC. Basically, they're just, they just own their positions. I don't think they earned their positions. If that doesn't make sense, I'm not going to describe it. Green Bitcoin. Oh, well, nine-point ETF uses fees for carbon offsets. Uh, God. Jeff John Roberts has it out of Decrypt.co. As Bitcoin prices have swelled, so too has the chorus of critics who claim Satoshi's invention is an environmental disaster due to the huge amounts of energy it takes to run the network. Now, a Canadian alternative asset manager is offering a creative solution to the problem. On Monday, Toronto-based Nine Point Partners announced that its Bitcoin exchange-traded fund will come with carbon offsets. Most significantly, the offsets are not simply an option for green-minded investors, but will cover all of the Bitcoin the fund acquires and be paid for by existing management fees. Quote, doing this at a fund level is a new concept. We hope it will be a model for the industry, said Alex Tapscott, a nine-point executive who is also co-author of a popular book on blockchain technology. Of course, of course. According to Tapscott, the way this works in practice will involve nine-point working with two firms, CarbonX and the Carbon Crypto Ratings Institute, <clears throat> to assess the environmental footprint of the fund's Bitcoin purchases. CarbonX, which partners with various companies that have similar initiatives, will also help Nine Point pay for and carry out carbon offsetting initiatives. Tapscott declined to reveal how much the carbon offsets will cost, only saying that they would be a significant portion of Nine Point's management fees, which is 0.7%. Carbon offsets are a well-established concept <clears throat> that entail paying for activities like planting trees or subsidizing clean appliances in developing countries. In theory, paying for such activities can negate the negative environmental impact of a company's operations. Groups like Greenpeace, however, claim these schemes are not effective because they don't oblige companies to stop emitting carbon in the first place, while other critics say they are primarily a PR stunt. Uh, but whatever the merits, <clears throat> Nine Points Initiative is notable because it explicitly acknowledges Bitcoin's energy impact. This is likely to appeal to both retail and corporate investors who are increasingly concerned about the environment and are reluctant to put their money in dirty industries like oil and coal. The initiative could have an outsized impact uh, given that ETFs are poised to account for a large share of overall Bitcoin holdings. Nine Point, which manages around $320 million worth of Bitcoin and relies on crypto giant Galaxy to hold it, is one of several ETFs to launch in Canada in recent months. For now, Canada is the only country in North America to allow crypto ETFs, but regulators are expected to give a green light to them in the United States before long, a step that is expected to see the likes of Grayscale, which controls over $50 billion of crypto assets, convert from a trust to an ETF structure. If Grayscale were to bundle carbon offsets with any future Bitcoin ETFs, the environmental benefits could be significant. No, they won't. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because the rest of it is just, it goes on into <clears throat> this carbon offsetting and I'm going with guys over at Greenpeace and, and people that say that it's a PR stunt. That's what it is. It's a PR stunt. Okay, this is all bullshit. This is the greenwashing that is coming to Bitcoin. 
the reason that I read these things is that so you know what the enemy chatter is on the horizon, right? It's getting deep. The bullshit in, in green Bitcoin is getting very, very deep. You're going to have to put on your waders to get through it. Okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying <clears throat> now on to a little bit more about GBTC, their discount is presenting a unique challenge for grayscale and investors. Marcel Peshman has this for Cointelegraph. Uh, since 2013, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust Fund has offered its investors exposure to Bitcoin. Trusts are structured as companies, at least in a regulatory form, and are, quote, closed-end funds, <clears throat> which can initially only be sold to accredited investors. This means the number of available shares is limited, and retail traders can only access them via secondary markets. Furthermore, a GBTC share cannot be redeemed for the underlying BTC position. Historically, GBTC used to trade above the equivalent BTC held by the fund, which was caused by the retail crowd's excess demand. The common practice for institutional clients was to buy shares directly from Grayscale at par and sell at a profit after the six-month lockup period. During most of 2020, GBTC shares traded at premiums. Not anymore. <clears throat> In late February, the GBTC premium entered adverse terrain, and hodlers began desperately flipping their positions to avoid getting stuck in an expensive and non-redeemable instrument. The situation deteriorated up to an 18% discount despite BTC price reaching an all-time high in mid-March. On March the 10th, Digital Currency Group, Grayscale Investments' parent company, announced a plan to purchase up to 250 million shares of GBTC. Although the conglomerate did not specify the reason behind the move, the excessive discount certainly would have pressured their reputation. As the situation deteriorated, DCG announced a roadmap for turning its trust funds into a United States ETF, although no specific guarantees or deadlines have been informed. On May the 3rd, the firm announced that it had purchased $193.5 million worth of GBTC shares by April. Moreover, DCG increased its own GBTC shares repurchase potential to $750 million. Considering the $36.3 billion in assets under management for the GBTC Trust, there's reason to believe that buying $500 million worth of shares might not be enough to ease the price discount. Because of this, some important questions arise. For example, can DCG lose money by making such a trade? Who's desperately selling and is a conversion to an ETF being analyzed? <clears throat> As the controller of the fund administrator, DCG can buy the shares funds or can buy the trust funds shares at market prices and withdraw the equivalent Bitcoin for redemption. Therefore, buying GBTC at a discount and selling the BTC at market prices will consistently produce a profit, and there's no risk by doing this. Apart from a few funds that regularly report their holdings, there's no way to know who has been selling GBTC below net asset value. The only investors with 5% more holdings are BlockFi and Three Arrows Capital, but none have reported reducing their position. Therefore, it could be potentially multiple retail sellers exiting the products at any cost, but it is impossible to know right now. While buying GBTC at a 10% or larger discount might seem a bargain at first, investors must remember that as of now, there's no way of getting out of those shares apart from selling it at the market. All right, this is cautionary in so far that if you're listening to me, what you are probably not is a hedge fund manager, all right? The regulation piece that I read earlier, <clears throat> um, it comes back into play here. Th these funds, ETFs, trust funds, like, you know, all that kind of shit for, for BTC purchase, that's for pensions. That's for state level shit. That's for, you know, hedge funds and insurance companies that want to, that have regulations that are onerous and make it to where they can't, uh, they can't just hold the underlying asset under certain circumstances. And they want those certain circumstances. You can just buy the underlying asset. You don't have to do the contango trade if you don't want to. If you want to own BTC, why the hell would you go to GBTC as, as just a private person? You don't need to do any of that. The job for you, if you want to get into Bitcoin, is to simply buy Bitcoin. I like using Swan, River Financial, or Cash App. Although Cash App's kind of losing its luster. I mean, just only only because 
Jack keeps pulling shit. I got thrown in Twitter jail for 12 freaking hours because I hurt somebody's feelings on Twitter. So it's losing its luster a little bit. In either event, before I finish off, I want to make sure that you do know that uh, GBTC filed their Q1 and it's not pretty. They lost $144.3 million during its first quarter, according to its SEC filings. So we'll just leave it there. But that's a that's a hell of a loss to put up with. And honestly, this is due to ETFs coming online in Canada. That's why this is occurring. That's my opinion. But still, I believe at a gut level that that's what's going on. Why would you need the trust? a trust when you have a little bit closer access to the underlying asset with an ETF? Because with a trust, you're pretty far away from it. With an ETF, it's not exactly like you, you're like holding your own keys, but you're a hell of a lot closer to owner, owning the underlying than you are with a trust. And the, cheap, the fees are cheaper. There's no reason that people are going to be wanting to use GBTC anymore unless it converts itself into an ETF. I fully expect that to happen. They hired like 10 people just for an ETF conversion. The only, the only thing they're waiting on, I think at this point, is the SEC to, to give them the stamp of approval. And at that point, it's off to the races. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids seem to be up. West Texas Intermediate is up 0.88% to $65.47 a barrel. Brent North Sea is up a full point. $68.95 is going to buy you a barrel of that. Uh, if you want natural gas, you're going to pay a discount 0.71% to the downside. Still coming in at $2.93 for 1,000 cubic feet of that. All the shiny metal rocks are doing well, and look at that. Gold is above $1,800 for the first time in months, it seems. 0.38 to the upside for gold, uh, $1,838.40. Silver is up a full point, actually 1.18%. Uh, Platinum is up 1.59%. Copper, as you might imagine, is up 2.6%. That thing's just... That's going to be bad. I mean, it's just getting terrible. Palladium is up 2%. All the agricultural futures, however, are down except for sugar and chocolate, otherwise known as cocoa. Uh, indices futures, we're looking at an opening uh, for the Dow futures up 0.31% to the upside. S&P futures is up scant 0.07. NASDAQ futures are down a third of a point, and the S&P mini is down a third of a point as well. Uh, let's see, 30-year futures uh, price got pushed down 0.04%. 10-year futures are up 0.01%. And the five-year uh, futures are up uh, 0.01%. That's all on the treasuries. Okay, now real money. Let's see where we're at. Oh, God, $57,703 got pushed down this morning. All Everything is down this morning except for Ethereum. I don't like it either, but <clears throat> it's it's... Look, it's undeniably alt season, guys. That doesn't make me want to ape into alts, and you shouldn't either because you, if you want to time tops and bottoms, go right ahead, but you're going to end up wrecked. There are, there's probably 1% of the people that can sit behind two or three screens and figure out a way to time that shit. Chances are good. It ain't you. I know it ain't me. But in the meantime, 264,000 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours. That's right at 11,000 transactions on average every hour. 410,000 BTC was sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. That's about 17,000 BTC changing hands every hour on the hour with 1.55 BTC as the average transaction value and the median transaction value at 0.015 BTC which is 884 bucks, which is kind of low. I've been seeing an average of around $1,000 for the medium. <sniffs> Block times are hideously, hideously short. Seven minutes and 32 seconds. We have 0.37 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 70 and a half BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. With a 7% bump in hash rate, we are all the way up to 195 exahashes per second. Holy shit. And your shitcoin indicator is standing at 0.5 US dollars. That's 50 cents for Dogecoin. 
That should tell you, that's all you need to know as to what's going on in the other shit coins. That's why Doge is such a really good, if nothing else, if Doge provides me and you nothing else, it does provide a very good indicator for shit coinery. And the shit coinery is out of freaking hand. Clark Moody tells us more information. 19,000 transactions are waiting on 43 blocks to clear. So, it, and from what I understand, the one to two Satoshi per V-byte uh, band cleared the uh, cleared mempools around the world sometime yesterday. It was interesting to watch. So I don't know if we actually cleared uh, all the mempool uh, as far as mempools are concerned. There's no such thing as one mempool, okay? I have a mempool on my node. If you're running a node, you've got a mempool. But in aggregate, did the mempool clear? I don't know. If it did, please tell me. We have captured $1.09 trillion of market capitalization. That is 9.03% of gold's market cap. And one Bitcoin will buy you 31.3 ounces of shiny metal gold rock. There are 18,705,704.25 BTC in circulation at a price of 58,160. And that price is according to Clark Moody. So wherever he's getting his price is $500 away from the price I just read you. Now, in the Lightning Network, there are 1,277.29 BTC. That's a capacity value at this price of $74.3 million. We have topped 10,000 nodes. We are now at 11,000 nodes. In fact, we're at 11,107 with 44,529 channels that we know of. As far as the Tor side of the Lightning Network, we have 58.8% of the Lightning Network is run over Tor. And <clears throat> that has a capacity of 751.38 BTC, and it's being run over 5,381 Tor nodes. Taproot activation, eh. Mining pools, I got one, two, three, four, five mining pools. However, one of the mining pools like uh, Poolin, Poolin has dropped off of the Taproot activation and I am at taproot.watch forward slash miners. Uh, you can just go to taproot.watch and, and there's a couple of tabs that you can, you'll see. Anyway, Poolin has dropped off, but Poolin had stated that they're, they're trying to get their hands around some, I don't know, internal firmware that is kind of out of it's either out of date or they want to be signaling solidly for taproot but there's some things going on i don't know if it's chicanery it could be you never know but one thing that i found interesting is that one of the new miners with only 0.86 percent of bitcoin hash rate is sbi crypto and they seem to be uh they seem to be signaling for taproot now we're not going to hit the taproot activation this two weeks. And I said that on Thursday. Um, and it, there's more and more green blocks that are coming up. And the green, the green blocks, when you look at a visualization on taproot.watch, just essentially means that taproot is being signaled for in that particular block. And we're getting more and more. However, I have seen a tapering off over the last couple of, uh, eh, over the last couple of days. However, it's still pretty strong signal to the upside. Anyway, we're not going to see Taproot this, uh, we're not going to see Taproot locked in this two weeks. We'll have to try later and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start it off with shit coinery that's right we're going to talk about doge and elon musk because hey you know honestly there's there are more cautionary tales to come right and you need to you need to be armed with the facts so you can tell your friends why you don't ape into shit coinery okay so in a story that should headline by the rumor sell the news it is actually stated dogecoin sinks to 43 cents the day after elon musk's snl appearance uh, Tim Hakai is writing this for Decrypt.co. <clears throat> By day, Elon Musk sends rockets to space, but on Saturday Night Live, the Tesla and SpaceX CEO sent Dogecoin spiraling back to Earth after his appearance shaved 30% off the coin's price overnight. Dogecoin has remained tapped in the mire all day today, sinking as low as 43 cents. Yesterday evening, Musk appeared on SNL with a couple of much-anticipated Dogecoin gags up his sleeve. 
Just four minutes into the show, Dogecoin began to plummet from a height of 69 cents. It bottomed out at 49 cents an hour later, according to cryptocurrency data aggregator CoinMarketCap. During his opening monologue, Musk brought his mom on stage for a few labored Dogecoin jokes. The pair of them spoke about Mother's Day, which falls today, which was actually yesterday, with Mother Musk asking or saying, quote, I'm excited for my Mother's Day gift. I just hope it's not Dogecoin. Musk replied, it is. Oh, God, that's, oh, that's bad. The CEO later appeared on the weekend update section in the show, dressed in gawky-looking tweeds, asking the host to call me the Doge Father, a reference to a tweet he wrote last week to advertise the appearance. Many thought Musk's appearance would pump the price up to a dollar, though the reality today has proven to be quite different. Dogecoin sunk as low as 43.7 cents on Sunday afternoon. Its current price is 50 cents. That's 30% lower than yesterday. Musk, who is usually very vocal on Twitter about all things Dogecoin, has remained silent. Not, not exactly. We'll get to that. Still, loyal Doge fans point to the fact that the coin crashed on April the 20th, only to recover barely a fortnight later. Dogecoin fans have been campaigning on social media to make that day International Doge Day in sync with the annual stoner holiday. Yet when 420 arrived, Dogecoin sank from a high of 42 cents to a low of 27. Anxious speculators considered whether Dogecoin whales could have dumped the coin in both cases to de depreciate the price, hoping to buy back in later. See, this is what this is alt season. This, this is why I'm confirming alt season is, is actually going on. No, that's not good. But they could not muster conclusive evidence. Subscribers to the adage, any news is good news, may find comfort in last night's publicity boost for the coin. According to crypto social media start aggregator Lunar Crush, Doge clocked 64,955 social media mentions in the first two hours of the crash. Perhaps a better adage for today's events was buy the rumor, sell the news. So <clears throat> buying the rumor and selling the news. Apparently the news is this. When, when you go, okay, I get what the rumor is. I see the, I see the rumor mill running. That's easy to see. But when do you sell the news? Exactly what is the news? In this particular case, it was Elon just saying the word Dogecoin in the first four minutes of his monologue. And the fact that he said it, that was the trigger. I, I'm not even going to pretend to understand the minds of traders, okay? But that's the news. So you, like, so somebody's hyping something, apparently you buy it. And then the second that they actually go on CNBC or a television show, it, even if it's skit comedy at late night, the minute they actually say the name of that which was rumored, that's when you market sell. I, I, am I getting this right, guys? Have, am I doing it right yet? Now, Dogecoin. It goes on and it gets worse. Okay, let's, let's, I just want to like interject here something about Dogecoin. I don't know if you know this or not, but Dogecoin is, an, is basically non-functional. I hate to say it, but it hasn't been developed on for years. It emits 14 million new coins every single day. So a total annual inflation of 5 billion coins are added to this chain. And every time they're adding 14 million coins, they're adding 14 million times whatever or multiplied by whatever price each coin is getting on the market. And that's expanding the market cap by like in this case, uh, it would be set like at 50 cents at seven and a half million, basically seven and a half million dollars every single day is getting added to the market cap, which is why you see a $50 billion market cap for Dogecoin. That's nothing to sneeze at, but it is not good news. Why? Because people like the Winklevi, who should know better, don't. So they're either ignorant, which is dangerous to listen to ignorant people, or they are disingenuous and want you to get wrecked so that they can get even more rich. Although God only knows what they're spending their money on. So how are they going to get your ass wrecked? The Winklevi led Gemini launches a Dogecoin savings program. Okay. They're legitimizing it. And that's why this shit becomes very, very dangerous. We saw this crap happen in 2016, 2017, where every ICO under the sun started getting listed on exchanges. 
This time it's worse because a savings program, you, you literally want people to DCA into something that hasn't been developed on in years and emits 14 new million coin a day? Really? That's, that's savings? Shit, that's like buying a stock that is continuously diluted by 14 million shares every single day. You would not want to buy into a company that way. In either event, let's see what the details are. Ekin Jank is going to tell us from Decrypt.co. <clears throat> Uh, they have launched a service that that lets investors earn 2.25% a year on Dogecoin held in accounts on the exchange. Oh, God, see, it's interest-bearing. My God, people. Jim and I earn. The exchange's interest-bearing accounts program launched it back in February is open to customers in the United States and Singapore. The interest is generated daily and will be added to the initial investment, compounding the amount of Dogecoin held. Dogecoin invested through Gemini Earn isn't locked, so investors can withdraw their crypto at any time. There's no minimum Doge requirement, and Gemini doesn't charge fees for depositing or withdrawing crypto from Gemini Earn. See, this is how they sucker you into this stuff. Gemini also added SushiSwap, uh, Injective, and Polygon uh, to the program today. Gemini Earn already supports 28 cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin and other shitcoins. Quote, Dogecoin continues Bitcoin's tradition of giving the control of money back to the people, a statement on the company's website said today. Do Dogecoin, really? This is, this is like a major player in, in this space. Even whether you like the Winklevi or not, it doesn't matter. Gemini is a huge player in this space. You cannot just ignore that. And here they are telling their freaking customers that Dogecoin continues Bitcoin's tradition of giving control of money back to the people? If you're wondering why, if you, or rather, if you end up in the future wondering why one day uh, Reddit is just filled with suicide hotline numbers, you're going to look back to the Winklevi and you're going to know who to point fingers at. These two cats are going to get a lot of people wrecked. You need to warn your friends when, when they inevitably say, well, what about Dogecoin? You need to be prepared to tell them why that's a terrible idea, right? Continuing, Gemini listed Dogecoin on its exchange on Monday, two days after Elon Musk confirmed that he would reference Dogecoin on Saturday Night Live. The SNL show aired last night and tanked the price of the meme coin. The price went, well, we know what the price did. So we don't have to go through that. And that's how they end the, how they end the article. <laughs> Excuse me, how they end the article. Now, so the aftermath of all this, I mean, knives, long knives are out for, for Elon Musk and they were out for him even beyond the fact that he was going to mention Doge on SNL. Somehow or another, he triggered everybody on the staff of SNL. The fact that he was going to appear with the, the crew was having problems with it. The cast was having problems with it. I mean, like Drudge Report went on and on and on about how Elon Musk was an, I don't know, like it was basically just kind of saying that this was an embarrassment. And I'm like, have you seen some of the, some of the people that they've put on that show? I, honestly, are you, are you really that daft? I mean, I don't, I, whether you like or hate Elon, I don't, I still don't understand why this one person caused so much hand-wringing around the world because he was going to appear on Saturday Night Live. Now, I understand why the people in, in Bitcoin don't like him because he's pumping fucking Doge. I get that part, but I don't get the rest of it. I don't get the rest of the world like automatically just hating on Elon Musk. They don't know, they don't know the first thing about his relationship with Dogecoin because they don't like cryptocurrency. They're stuck in their legacy financial world and there they will stay until the day that they die probably penniless. In either event, can somebody please tell me why there was so much hand-wringing outside of Bitcoin as to why Elon Musk was just, I mean, the, the long knives were out for his ass? At BENND77 on Twitter, reach out. Tell me, tell me why he was causing so, so much problems. Anyway, Elon wasn't finished after Saturday Night Live with Dogecoin. And again, like the Winklevi, he's going to get people wrecked. The fact that Dogecoin is probably not a security, and I kind of, you know, foreshadowed this earlier in the show, is the reason why he really kind of can't get in trouble 
But I think if he if he continues down this path, I think he might actually get in trouble. What am I talking about? I'm talking about his freaking tweet the day after. The day after Saturday Night Live aired, he tweets, SpaceX is launching satellite Doge 1 to the moon next year. The mission will be paid for in Doge. It's the first crypto in space. It's the first meme in space to the moon. I take it as tongue-in-cheek, but that's not the way retail takes shit like this. And the fact that he doesn't know it means, again, he's either ignorant or he's being disingenuous, and either one of them are dangerous for people in retail because they just don't know any better. Please educate yourself what's going on with this, with this doge pump and make sure that your friends don't ape into this crap. I've already, I've, oh, I'm already seeing the horror stories on Reddit. I'm already seeing screen captures coming over Twitter about, you know, direct messages of a, oh, woe is me. I aped into Doge at 70, at 70 cents and now I'm wiped out. Well, did you even look to see what Doge was? Because if you didn't, that shit's on you, pal. Now, let's see. Is there anything else? Let me let me do this one first. Uh, FTX uh, CEO on 19-year Miami Heat sponsorship says, we don't need the other 18 years to have the funds. Wow. Daniel Roberts from Decrypt.co has this one. The Miami Heat NBA franchise has been playing in the American Airlines arena for 22 years. But in April, the franchise announced a new naming rights sponsor, which was cryptocurrency exchange FTX. As the official and exclusive cryptocurrency exchange partner of the Miami Heat, FTX will put its name on the Heat Arena and have prominent branding within the stadium. It will also take part in contests and promotions as well as link up with the Heat's digital content. FTX and the Heat did not disclose the financial details of the sponsorship deal, but the Miami Herald reported it was a 19-year, $135 million deal. Details that Decrypt confirmed independently. On Friday, on stage, at the 2021 Ethereal Virtual Summit powered by Decrypt, FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried confirmed that his company's heat deal is for 19 years. And to anyone who questions whether a crypto company that has only existed for two years can really afford to sign a 19-year-long sports sponsorship, Bankman-Fried put any doubts to rest with a declarative statement about just how well his company has done during the crypto bull run of the past year. Quote, it's a good question, he said. Without going into the details, it's been a pretty good year for us, to the point where, frankly, we don't need to rely on the other 18 years to have the funds for this. So it's been a phenomenal year for a number of businesses and for the crypto industry in particular. And then I think us even more so. And so that's given us a pretty big cushion. The implication, FTX is doing so well that it could just pay the full $135 million contract up front and not get really all that crushed by it. So, I mean, honestly, oh God, what to say about that? Because FTX is like any other shitcoin casino. They have Bitcoin and then they have all the rest of the shitcoins. And that's how they make their money. They have they make their money on, on commission and fees and trading and like, uh, yeah, basically fees. And they've made so many fees that they can just upfront pay $135 million and have their name 19 years on in the future, even after they, you know, even if they rug pull everybody and, and bail. Now, Martin Young says that BTC, or actually Morgan Creek uh, Capital CEO says that Bitcoin could trade for $250,000 within five years. My only estimation on this is, or question on this is why so bearish? Uh, is there anything else? Oh yeah, the Nifty Gateway co-founder says that NFT speculation is going to end badly. This is out of Decrypt. Um, I'm not going to read it, but here's the the gist is is that the Nifty Gateway co-creator is saying that NFTs shouldn't be for monetary uh, harvesting, and that if you're looking to make money in NFTs, you're probably going to end up getting hurt really badly. Okay, so now is he being genuine? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to perform some kind of chicanery later on where he says, get rich quick, NFTs are the way, blah, blah, blah. But if I take him at his word right here, at least he's got some semblance of ethics by telling people this. So 
maybe there's some, you know, maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel on this NFT craze thing. It does seem to be slowing down a little bit, but not by much. Uh, I it's, it's just nice to see that at least one person that is actually part of that group has come out and said, dude, this shit's dangerous. Stay away from it. All right. So that's going to do it for the morning roundup. We're coming up. Well, we were just hit an hour. So I'm going to go ahead and just do the sign off. Uh, if you like the show, help me out by giving me like five star reviews, sharing the show out to your friends and family. If they, you know, ever ask how they can get Bitcoin news and not have to read it, just send them my way because that's what the morning show is all about. Uh, is basically reading you the news so that you don't have tos. I'm just saying, man. And uh, you know, like, like, subscribe, share, and all that stuff. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and. And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.